0: Hi, welcome to another episode of the Autism Everyday Podcast. We are your hosts, Swati and Geeta. Welcome back.
1: Brand new year, brand new episode. Lots of learning and unlearning to look forward to. So before we go any further, we'd like to remind you to hit pause and go back a couple of episodes. There's tons to catch up on. So go do that and come right back.
0: Yeah. So, today we're going to be speaking a little bit about education. Yes, like every other topic, I know we've spoken
1: uh, about it at length. We've spoken about schooling. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I, I don't think I can count the number of podcasts we've done which, uh, you know, that has some form of the word school in it, either homeschooling or, I mean, there's so many ways we've spoken about this. Right. right, right? But educational outcomes are not something we have explicitly
0: sat down and discussed. So that's what we're going to try and do this time. And a lot of times we are faced with this question uh, from families, when can my child go to school? And this usually happens when we help the family understand that the child has a diagnosis of autism and what does it mean for them and for the child. And very often we honestly don't have one answer. It's hard to tell someone when and if their child will be able to go to school.
1: I think there are many reasons for this, like for one, many schools are inclusive now. Absolutely. right we hear the word inclusive just being thrown around, mm-hmm. you know, and which means again by policy, they'll take your child in, but what remains unanswered is how well equipped they are uh, for your child to learn from that particular environment, yeah. because it's not enough to be inclusive, it's inclusion is just, you know, admitting your child into that class, but. Mm-hmm is he going to learn yeah right is the material going to be tweaked for him yeah and is what is being taught even relevant anyway so uh, research shows that not every autistic child can find a place in a mainstream school and this is because they primarily require intervention and individualized support which is just not available in a general setting right so sometimes um you know something to keep in mind is the fact that every child has the same amount of time just so many hours in a day exactly so many hours in a day into so many days a week you know subtract your public holidays your weekends and then that time is divided between school and home and you know what do you have left?
0: What about what about some rest and me time? Oh yeah, and rest
1: and me time and all those So You mm. really don't have a whole lot of time on your hands, mm. right? Mm. So what can be taught and what must be taught has to be prioritized. Mm. There's there's a huge difference between can and must. Mm. So imagine if your child has, let's say, you know, x hours before he becomes an adult, or before he hits puberty. That means you're gonna have x number of hours to teach him. To communicate his needs to self-regulate his emotions to be independent in his life skills to be able to eat dress bathe you know commute the list goes on yeah so much out there there's just so much out there and and remember you only have x number of hours yeah. Yeah. and something like learning to read or write it, it has its place of course but it does not necessarily take first place amongst the list of things you've got to work on. Yeah. Or another way to put it is once you're done achieving everything on the must do list, then you know, you can do some reading and writing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a very tricky thing, right?
0: Education, because as we all know it, education is literacy and numeracy. And breaking that mindset can be very, very hard for a lot of us. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine, like we said, the child has only so many hours in a day and so, so many hours in a week and so many hours in a year and so on. And there's so much to learn for the child to be able to function independently. And there's so much more that's hidden between the steps of every task. So while we may go about teaching a task, it's not really complete unless the child has understood the the, what do you say, the variations of that task as well it's like quite literally being able to walk of course every child can walk but that is not enough yeah the child needs to know how to navigate people on the sidewalk i mean we live in india where (laughs) you are practically bumping into people on the road and you need to know how to turn your shoulders sideways or make way because there's something else that is standing on the sidewalk or there are people who are standing there and Drinking a cup of chai in a tea kadai, right? So it's very, it's very very hard. Um, you need to navigate people. There are parked vehicles. There may be a puddle or slush or a pothole in the road. All of these need to be navigated in the process of walking. It is not enough to walk. It is more critical to know how to walk. Yeah. Functionality versus knowing. So, when we spoke to some families... Uh, you know, who sent their children to school and here are some of the outcomes that they shared with us.
1: I think it's really interesting that we did this because the kind of perspectives and the insight that these families gave us, it's just something else, you know. Uh, In that, A, they are aware that they're grappling with the contradictions and, and they're struggling with it. They're struggling to understand why their child is able to do a whole host of things but is seemingly unable to do things that might be very simple you know um, certainly less complicated things that you know as opposed to things that they can do yeah yeah so you know i do you want to tell them about the family the of the 16 year old yeah that's one of the you know big
0: examples that comes to your head right so there was this family of a sixteen-year-old. He had been into into mainstream schools, and he was enrolled with the open school, and had in fact written and passed exams in four subjects at the time that we met them. Wow! Yeah. Um, but the family was struggling with his seeming reluctance and unwillingness to do anything at all at home to help mom out or help the family out. Um, he couldn't. They lived in a community, mm-hmm. uh, in a gated community, yet. He couldn't go and spend time in the common areas of the building simply because he would say inappropriate things to most people, Mm. could get into a physical fight because he perceived that somebody was not being nice to him Mm. or could wander away because he suddenly decided that he was finding it suffocating. Those were the words he used. I'm finding it very suffocating. I see. Yeah. And he would just walk away, anywhere out. But when asked... Uh, what he actually wanted to do, what would he like to do as an adult. He would only parrot what he had been told uh, and advised by well-meaning adults. I must be good, I must study, I must work, I must control my temper and so on. So many musts, but none of them resonated probably with his knowledge of how to do that. Wow, That's, that's hard. And then, of course, there are families uh, who have very, very limited access to psychoeducation. Uh, remember that fourteen-year-old young man we met, uh, who was going to mainstream school. school. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know, in his in that particular situation, this was uh, very hard to hear. But he, along with some other children who you know were not neurotypical or they were neurodiverse, they were seated at the. End of the classroom around a mm. table. This was in a mainstream school. In a mainstream school, mm. and this particular child was in a chair with a desk attached to it. So it's called a locked chair. So essentially, the child can't um, free himself from that position. Mm. So it, it, it's really meant for ease of functioning, but it's unethical. And then, you know, yeah, it ends up getting used as a means to keep a child in place. in place. Yeah. Mm. So the child would then, you know, out of frustration, injure himself. He would bite his hands when demands were placed on him. And this happened both in school and at home. Yeah, yeah. And so what did mom
0: do when she had to deal with this? Whenever he engaged in some self-injurious behavior, she would hit him. Mm. um, Which was her way of telling him, punishing that behavior and letting him know that he cannot do that so we asked mom whether he was functioning at grade level in in the mainstream school the answer was no at age 14 he was sitting in class three mm-hmm. um, so mom reported that he barely wrote could not read was completely non-verbal and showed no interest whatsoever in completing whatever homework that you know came from school so when asked why is she persisting in sending him to school if you know he was falling behind so much and if he had so much of uh, S.I.B. She said something very strange. She said she was nervous that if she sent him to a special school, he might start imitating the behaviours and mannerisms of other children who are neurodiverse mm. and have challenges. So, yet there was her own son who at 14 needed help to clean up after using the bathroom and would walk out of the bath with no clothes on at all. That's really, really hard, yeah. (laughs) So of contradictions. um, Yeah,
1: so many contradictions, so many perspectives, so many opinions and experiences here. So every, every person we speak to,
0: I think, throws light on education, on outcomes, on what went right, on regrets of what they should have done and could have done and, of course, on hope. And
1: speaking of hope, we recently decided to send, a, you know, a five-year-old of ours to a mainstream kindergarten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big day, big day at big weekend. Day, day. We had a graduation. Everybody was emotional. Yeah. Um, this was a particularly, you know, complex decision to take because um, he, he came to us nonverbal, and then he, you know, gained sufficient skills to be integrated at this level with his typically developing peers. So on our advice, the parents approached a few schools, and you know, they reported the strangest things. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the schools, um, that was, it's, you know, without getting into too much details, it's run by a, a family uh, educated abroad. And uh, yet the principal, or whoever was interviewing the family at the time, they asked the parents to give a letter to the school stating that they would take this particular child back home if he hit or pushed another child in the class. Yeah, so any form of disruption. Any right? form of disruption, right? Yeah. So they wanted a letter essentially stating that if my child, you know, disrupts the class or hurts any other child, then I will take him home. Because they believe that this is autism. Yeah. So let me say that again, educators believe yeah. that autism is equal to disruptions. And why why and violence, violence so we did then ask the family to check with the school if they would get a similar undertaking from parents of other kids because you know what what if another child hits or pushes this little guy with autism are you gonna make sure that child goes back home yeah i don't think they did it because uh, i don't think yeah they so. yeah, <laughs> wouldn't be taken well yes but but <laughs> you know essentially yeah that, that's that's what happened so The principal at another place uh, that the child and the family went to—they looked puzzled when the parents said that you know this child has autism because he does not look autistic. She remarked. Yeah, yeah.
0: The principal or the teacher or whoever it was.
1: So that's that's really telling that a yeah yeah.
0: So when while we talk of wanting to send our children to school, we also need to keep in mind the perspective of educators of mainstream teachers and schooling and what do they know and what do they think about autism and how equipped are they to deal to deal with it exactly right
1: and i think on another note we had a conversation recently with these amazing parents of of a 14 year old right and uh, this is the father sitting in with us and he's talking about his son something that the dad said was just so amazing and to give you guys some background you know this is a child who is completely independent who can read who can write who can do math who commutes alone who travels with friends and relatives other than his parents and he's ready to accept changes he initiates social interactions he's, he's just brilliant right and he doesn't go to school he, he comes to us full time and the dad's sitting with us in the office and he says something, you know, on the lines of, as long as my son wakes up every morning, he does something he likes, enjoys a good cup of coffee and gets some rest and he's happy, then life is made. Yep. <laughs> and I thought, wow, like, this is it. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: This is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, of course, this
0: young man still has challenges uh, with making larger inferences and understanding so many unsaid rules of communication and interactions. But Yeah. The space that his family gives him has actually made him feel so
1: secure and accepted and that goes a long way. That goes a long way. Just removing that, you know, accelerator from every child's back and saying, you have to be this way, you have to be that way, you have to fit in, you got to be like your peer. Taking that away really helps them blossom. Yeah. Yeah. That school is not necessarily
0: the only place where you get education. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, that is... Not to say that education is not necessary for a child with ASD. it just calls for a fresh definition for each child. It calls for continuous monitoring and above all it calls for ensuring functionality
1: above curriculum. I love that line, functionality yeah. above curriculum. Mm-hmm. So if you are a parent of a child with autism, then maybe it's time to pause and relook at what education means for your child. and. You know how that can look different from education for another child. Yeah. Right. So hit pause, reflect and remember it's okay to be different. Yeah. It's okay to want
0: different things. And at the end of the day, all that matters is the child. So keep that in mind
1: and keep going. Take care. See you next time.